Tonight I'm going to talk about sex and marriage. And, um, <laughs> what? It was like, yay, sex, boo, marriage? Is that what it was? <laughs> no, I was just curious about the reaction. I got a reaction there, like sex and marriage. And I got, I, I felt like there was a yay and a boo. Did I miss something? <laughs> Just bitter? No? Okay. <laughs> Alrighty then. Um, you know, I, it's interesting because I never get tired of talking about sex and marriage um, for either one. You know, either one, both. They're both incredibly significant topics to me because, and it's definitely one of the major ways that I've experienced radical healing that I thought was absolutely impossible and, and certainly by my lifestyle, by my history, it seemed absolutely impossible that I would e experience healing in this part of my life. Um, so hopefully you guys aren't bored with me talking about it because I'm, I'm not bored thinking about it. Um, I also feel passionate about it because not only have I seen God heal me, but I've seen God heal others. And I've seen it every single time. I have never seen when people decide to really bring this part of their lives to God that I have not seen radical change, radical transformation. And honestly, guys, it sickens me that marriage sucks today. It, it makes me angry. It makes me frustrated. It's insane out there. You've noticed, haven't you? Uh, you know, it's so funny. I have to say, you know, that everybody thinks marriage, you know, people get excited about marriage, right? You go to a wedding. Er who doesn't get excited going to weddings? You know, most people uh, get very excited about it. I don't, for the most part. <laughs> I don't. Most of the time I go, and it depresses me because most ma marriages I know are going to end miserably. So to me, I'd rather not go. It's just, it's, it's disturbing to me. So I can't make merriment going, these people are so ill-equipped, they have no clue. They've gotten, you, do you know what I mean? And it's gonna, because marriage's ending is not fun. Marriage is going badly, not fun. And if you look around, what are, they, what are the statistics? What would you say? I mean, just think about this numerically. You know, not of marriage or divorce, but what percentage would you say of people have amazing, happy, fulfilling marriages 20 years down the road? 5%. 5 percent. 5%? Geez, that's generous, I think. Do you know, I mean, because honestly, I don't know 5% of the people that I know that have what I would say fulfilling, close marriages 20 years after, you know, being married or something like that. So I'm saying it's pretty, it's pretty bad. I ask people all the time, how many people do you know that have amazing marriages? Not that just got married. Hopefully you can be happy as a newlywed. If that's a challenge, you know, geez, we're really having a hard time, you know. But you, I ask people, and most of the time I get that people know zero people that have been married, of marriages that have been a long time, that they would say, yeah, I'd like a marriage like that. Not just people that are enduring it, hanging in there, you know, 
I don't know, um, you know, tolerating marriage kind of thing. But people that are really enjoying it. Um, so that's why I get excited about it because I feel like some of the things that are taught in our culture are so counter to having really good relationships overall. There's just a lot of things. This, actually, the, the topic I'm going to, uh, today is not at all exhaustive because it's a very involved topic and a lot of, um, you know, we go into it quite a bit, at least the preparation for marriage and the dating workshop. And this section of scripture uh, just gives a little bit, you know, of some, some things that come into play that I'm going to hit as far as um, success goes. And we're going to start in, in 1 Corinthians 6 and in verse 12. It says, everything is permissible for me, but not everything is beneficial. I'm sorry, I get kind of really sick and tired of people saying God's got rules, you know, and that, and that you have to do certain things. It's a lie, guys. It's a lie. God gave free will. And as I said, we had a teaching a few weeks ago, you can sin all you want to. You can do whatever you want. You can choose whatever you want. And I'm telling you, Jesus Christ still died for you. His blood still cleanses you from all unrighteousness. You do not need to earn it. Nothing. Everything is permissible. God gave free will. You can do anything your little old heart desires. But not everything is beneficial for your life. Not everything is going to result in having a fulfilled, happy, joyous existence. Oh, makes me mad when people talk about you know it's just not god really honors free will that's why i value it a lot it's really a big deal to me you know if you can't acknowledge that you've got choice if you're doing things out of guilt or condemnation or shame or because you feel manipulated or whatever it's not going to be profitable it's not going to be a blessing it's not you know god honors choice we should all honor choice, too. It's really important that people are clear on choosing what they're choosing. It says, everything's permissible, but not everything's beneficial, because that's how God looks at it. You know, I'm telling you, every scripture in the Bible, everything is not about rules. It's about God saying, I know you humans, because I made you. I know a little thing about how you work. So if you'd like your life to be really good, here's some stuff that would help. That's the whole purpose of the Bible. The, you'd think the creator of life would know something about us, right? You'd think maybe he'd have some insight we don't about how this thing called life works. God is love. God is love. And so everything in here is designed for our blessing, for us to have a better life. That's all. You can do it. You cannot do it. God's still going to love you. It says, but I will not be mastered by anything, which is interesting. Oh, I'm sorry. It says, and, and everything's not beneficial. Everything is permissible for me. It's saying it twice. Wonder why. Maybe you didn't hear it the first time. Do you know what I mean? Like, most people scratch that part out in their Bible, I think. But I will not be mastered by anything. And so what the, what the Apostle Paul, who, who's writing this, saying, I can do anything, but I don't want to do things that control my life. Because a lot of things that you do that seem like they're freedom, free sex, you know. I'm telling you, that was my, you know, back in my day, 
that we kind of started that whole thing of having sex with everybody whenever, whatever, you know, um, kind of thing. And it was in the name of freedom. But there are many things that are in the name of freedom that actually wind up causing us to be prisoners. We've probably experienced them or seen people that have experienced them. Drugs, alcohol abuse, things like that. Ma many things, all kinds of addictions. So he's saying, I will not be mastered by anything. And it says in verse 13, food for the stomach and stomach for food. But God will destroy them both. The body is not meant for sexual immorality, but for the Lord and the Lord for the body. By his power, God raised the Lord from the dead, and he will raise us also. Do you not know that your bodies are members of Christ himself? Shall I then take the members of Christ and unite them with a prostitute? Never. Do you not know that he who unites himself with a prostitute is one with her in body? For it is said, the two will become one flesh. So this section is really talking about the concept of honoring, honoring how valuable you are. A lot of, you know, the whole thing as far as like people treating sex like it's just the most casual thing in the world is heartbreaking. God made it to connect deeply. God made it to feel close and safe in a really, really deep heart way where you're bonded with somebody. I spent my life doing the, the, the free sex thing, you know, the, and, and really believing in it. And I was a Christian the whole time. I just thought, I really looked at the Bible and said, this is just old-fashioned, you know. It can't possibly apply to us today because people are getting, I told people this as a Christian. I go, we get married later. Back then they got married at 13. So, you know, you could control yourself for sex till you're 13. But, geez, nowadays you're getting married at 30. Who the heck can do that? You know, I felt it was humanly impossible at one time. You know, so, um, so I, because, you know, of many things, um, I didn't really have a lot of value for my body or for sex at all. I didn't, I feel like God in the way that he says this, he intended it to be a way to connect deeply with someone that you are in love with in a safe relationship. It's to bond you with somebody. That's why it even says it's a part of the one flesh relationship. That's kind of like, you think about one flesh, it's just intense, you know? Sex is amazing, the way that God designed it. Like, think about how close that is to feel with another person one flesh like that. Like, how incredible. God designed it for relationship. And yet, the teaching today, is it's, it, and that's what it's talking about, the food and the b stomach, is basically people say as if it's nothing. It's no big deal. It's just physical. Gosh, it used to be, back in my day, it was just sort of like you waited six months or something like that. And then it, now, you know, then it's just like moved on and on, like the third date sex. And these days, it's not even third date sex half the time. It's, you know, first time I meet you sex. Don't even know your name sex. You know, <laughs> like, I mean, that's gotten to be more, like, so, so common. Like I say, I mean, I, it's shocking to me because it's on... 
because I'm in entertainment, so I see these scripts for the new shows, and it's just sort of like, I keep reading it, and I just, I just, ugh. Because they, 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 every script makes it sound like it's the funnest thing ever. Like, there's a, you know, I, I keep thinking about the Freds with benefits. Is that on the air yet? Did that make it on the air yet? I've been, because I see the scripts, like, way before they come out. And so it's basically a show. It's a fun show about these four friends, and they haven't met the right one. So they help each other out by hooking up with each other. It's kind of like Jersey Shores or something, right? I mean, isn't that like... <laughs> Do you know what I'm saying? It's friends, and they just keep swapping and stuff like that to keep each have a good time until... And they're all, like, really rallying for the other person to wait till they meet the right one, and then it'll all be good. Um, but basically, this section is just talking about the fact that um, to look at ourselves as being, like our whole selves, it's not just our Holy Spirit, but all of who we are as being members of Christ, the totality of who we are and how precious that is. Um, and then it says, but he who unites himself with the Lord is one with him in spirit. By the way, the Bibles, I, I think I've mentioned this before, uh, most of these he references in the Bible um, are actually the word for human being, not he. But the translators just translated them all he. So um, there's actually going to be a new translation that more accurately translates because it's the word anthropos, which is just human. You know, the, the Greek word for human, not he. Um, so they're coming out with a new Bible that takes out the, you know, the sexual, you know, reference here and makes it more accurate. Anyway, he who unites himself with the Lord is one with him in spirit. Flee from sexual immorality. And then it, that word other shouldn't be there. That, um, <clears throat> the problem with the NIV is they add words and then they don't tell you that, um, like, uh, they don't, you can't tell because they're not italicized like the King James. So it should see all sins a man commits are outside of his body, but he who sins sexually sins against his own body. So the, it's kind of interesting because it's really trying to bring home, like there's lots of sins and everything, but, but the idea is just that, you're, that the depth in which you hurt yourself to not regard your body, to not have more honor for how you use your body. Uh, and it's interesting because I've seen it over and over too. Like I used to try and be really happy about my promiscuity. Like I used to try to be happy, but there was some strange thing that I felt like the, I felt like crap so many times, but I pretended I didn't. You know, I just, because everybody, it's supposed to be fine and everybody else is sp fine and they're happy. So there's, you know, so I would just act like it was all good even when it wasn't, you know just kind of shoved it down, got tougher and tougher, or thought I got tougher and tougher. Um, because God made it to connect you with somebody. God made you to care. If you get callous to sex, it's a problem. Like, why would you want to get callous to it? You know, I really do believe that God designed it so that you experience making love with the person that you spend your life with. You know, that, that's, that, that opens your heart up. And gets you all mushy inside, you know? It just gets you where, you know, believe it or not, that was the norm until, like, the 1960s. It was the norm for the 10,000 years of recorded human history. So it's kind of strange in some ways that we're living in a society that for 10,000 years of recorded history, the most normal practice 
was you bonded with one person that you spent your life with, and it just changed like in the 60s. You know, it's in really only the last 50 years. Um, <clears throat> it says, do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have received from God? You are not your own. You were bought at a price. Therefore, honor God with your body. Again, it's to the sense of just having a special value that you're special, your, bi- your body's special, to cherish, you know, to cherish yourself. And in, verse, uh, in chapter 7, verse 1, it says, Now for the matters you wrote about, it is good for a man not to marry. It's, it's funny because the translation in King James is, it's good for a man not to touch a woman, <laughs> but, um, unless she's his wife. But anyway, in verse 2 it says, But there's no such... Um, but since there's no such immorality, King James says, to avoid fornication, each man should have his own wife, each woman should have her own husband. The husband should fulfill his marital, marital duty to his wife, and likewise the wife to her husband. And that word is actually, um, the husband should fulfill his marital duty. It's, it is a duty to be what he owes her in, in kindness and in goodwill, um, <clears throat> and vice versa. It says in verse 4, The wife's body does not belong to her alone, but also to her husband. In the same way, the husband's body does not belong to him alone, but also to his wife. Marriage is supposed to be one that you really are a team and a unit. Um, It's really helped me in our marriage a lot to, like, to value. I I think our therapist told us this um, during our pre-marriage counseling. She said, it really makes a difference to value your relationship over and above your individual like needs and desires like and i don't i don't i'm telling you that just lives for me in such a way that it it works it's like if you make that a priority and give into that it winds up working for your individual thing as well um cloud and townsend say part of the thing with marriage is you there is a loss of freedom you know, and so you have to go into it expecting that that's a part of what you're signing up for. You don't get to be the lone wolf independent person anymore. You know, it really is. That's one of the reasons the ambassador program works is because the people in it learn you don't go off and just run and make decisions all by yourself. You, make, you put the health of your relationship with your team first and making sure that one another's needs are there and you work things out together. And it's not like, well, I'm an independent person. I don't have to talk to you. And, you know, the thing is, it's like, it, it really works. You feel cared about. You feel loved. You feel taken care of. You know, it really, really works. It says, um, and so even to look at your bodies that way is a part of that one flesh thing. It also has to do with, this also has to do with sex as well. Um, because it says in verse 5, do not deprive each other. <laughs> you're not supposed to withhold sex as a weapon when you're married. I mean, you know, I know most people here are single, but just so, just so you know, <laughs> you know, God's design is that you're available to your spouse, that you make sure that you're taken care of, that each other's needs are taken care of, that there's no weapon of saying, you know, I, I just hear more and more. I can't tell you how many people I hear in marriages that, that, Withholding sex is used as a weapon. You, can, you have to have sex in, in, in marriage, or I'm telling you, you're, it's just like, whenever you take long, it even says here, yeah, depri- don't deprive each other. 
that's what you got married to have lots of that or whatever. Do not deprive each other except for by mutual consent and for a time if you both agree so that you might devote yourselves to prayer. Then come together again so Satan will not tempt you because of your lack of self-control. And so basically if Satan gets a wedge in if you're not having sex. It's, it's a big part of feeling connected as a couple. And so if it ain't happening, you're going to feel distant. It's going to affect your relationship. And so that's why you have to fight for that. And I mean, again, just so you know for the future for most of you. But the thing is, is like when you get married, you have to work at that, believe it or not. I mean, you know, it just really is something that you've got to fight for in your relationship of just making sure that there's not too much time that goes by, you know, because you'll feel it. You know, whenever there is a time period where things happen and l- busyness of life and things get in the way and it's, there's been a, a longer time period, you're going to feel it and, and you'll feel the loss of connection. So it's just something that you want to try and make a priority and that that's normal and okay and, and a good thing. Um, funny that the Bible would talk about those kind of things. Don't deprive each other. Then, um, anyway, in verse uh, 6, I say this as a concession, not as command, which means by permission. So basically, he's giving advice out here. Um, It's not a commandment of God. He's saying this is, if you don't do this, it's going to affect things in a negative way. I wish all, I wish that all, again, it's people, were as I am, which he's single. Um, But each man has his own gift from God, and... Uh, one has this gift and another that. His gift, I guess, was being single. So, um, <laughs> I mean, he had other gifts, but it is a gift to stay single. Um, it says in verse 8, Now to the unmarried and the widows I say, it is good for them to stay unmarried as I am. But if they cannot control themselves, they should marry, for it's better to marry than to burn with passion. So if you're really, you know, that he's basically... I think a lot of times the idea is that people get rushed to get married, and he kind of talks about throughout this section to enjoy being single, that there's a lot there's a lot of blessings in being single. There really is. It's not, it's not everything has got oriented towards life is, you know, not anything. You've got to be heading for the altar. But also there's like, it, while you're single, you should be blessed in about that. Enjoy it. Because it's... You do have a different sense of freedom. You can do more with the Lord. You know, so it's not, you don't want to always be like waiting for some other thing. You know, like God, and and it talks a lot about this. We're not going to go through the whole section because we don't have time to. But he talks a lot about that, that he says that there's trouble in the flesh in marriage, which means it's rough. It's not like a piece of cake. (laughs) It's not like, it's like, so don't be all getting in such a big hurry. Be blessed with what you got, you know, with the fact that a lot can happen. You know, you can have an amazing life walking with God and being a single person. And then it says, um, to the married, I give this command, not I, but the Lord. A wife was not separate from her husband, but if she does, she must remain unmarried or be reconciled to her husband. And a husband must not divorce his wife. Now, Another thing that's happening today is the majority of people go into marriage like hoping it'll work out. There's not, I'm not really seeing too many people that go, I'm, I'm, when I make a commitment before God, uh, there's no going back. They talk about, there's this um, thing that uh, Native Americans call, 
used to do in fighting called staking, where they put a, they'd fight with a stake in the ground and fight, you know. So it's kind of like um, where there's no, there's no out. You got to go into it with that kind of, there's no out. Like, I will make it work. If it's rough, that, you know, I signed up for this, I'll make it work. I mean, unless there's danger or something like that, God's not telling you your life is at risk, stay married. You know, um, and there's grace, but, the, but really God's heart, there's, there's no wiggle room. The whole point of marriage is saying, I'm signed up for this and I'm not, there's no out. I will do, you're committing to say, I'm doing whatever it takes to make this work. You know? It doesn't matter if it's not even. That it doesn't matter, you know, if it's not fair or whatever. It's just sort of, and then it kind of talks about some of these other things, but these days, you know what's funny? Um, Mike and I, when we went, remember when we went sharing our faith that day and we talked to that older couple, they were in their 90s? Remember those, that older couple? He's looking quizzically. Anyway, let me tell you about it. The, um, my... <laughs> Mike and I went sharing our faith with, uh, I forgot something one day when everybody went out and we were paired up. And we were talking to this older couple that they, they were in, I think they were in their 90s. And um, they said, um, they were a really sweet uh, couple, and they said they had had a really rough marriage at times, they said, but it really <laughs> angered them. They said that the culture today like, no, that has no concept of sacrifice when it comes to the relationship. Everybody's just waiting for it to be so comfortable. Like, and of course, and so they're like, no wonder none of it lasts. And so they said, we went through hard times, but we were in this that there were no outs. Like, we went into it feeling that way. And they were talking about the fact nobody's doing that anymore. It's just they hang in until it's comfortable, then you just trade in. I'm telling you, it doesn't work. How many people, you keep saying they keep trading relationships. Look at People Magazine. It's so stupid. And then everybody's like, oh, they found the right one this time. Yeah, right. <laughs> Jeez, J-Lo and Mark Anthony. Now it's the right one. <laughs> you know, whatever. You know, what was it? First it was like Jennifer and Brad. And now it's, you know, you know, it's just like, come on, really? Now it's just magically, you keep dumping them to find the right one. And every time it's the right one, and then that doesn't last. Arnold and, uh, no, no. Come on, guys, who... You saw that coming, right? Jeez. It's rit ridiculous. So, <laughs> anyway, I'm just saying, you know, um, it says, so you, you just work it out. And so basically what he's saying is stay unmarried if you're going to leave. Don't be thinking you're just going to trade. Like, oh, let's switch to somebody else and just that'll make, be easy and won't be any work. There's no such thing. And you know what? If you don't deal with stuff with one relationship, you're bringing your same crap to the next one. You know? Um, okay. In verse... You know, the thing is, I, I get... There's a difference. I totally get this. I believe this now. I've been divorced and I remarried. You know? Um, and I think it's grace. But I, I'm telling you, I have really had to deal and clean up my act a lot before 
make some major, major, you know, changes. Um, and in verse 12, to the rest I, this I say, oh, no, I already said that. Uh, oh, here we go, verse 12. To the rest I say this, I not, I, not the Lord, if any brother has a wife who is not a believer and she's willing to live with him, he must not divorce her. You know, a lot of people get to be Christians and they're like, oh, I need a Christian, and they dump their spouse. God, I'm, t- I'm sorry, that is not the will of God. That's evil. That's like mean. Like, really? You're going to dump somebody because they're not Christian? You know, you made a commitment to marry this person. So, I mean, but that's what was going on there. And I see it today sometimes where people do that. It says, um, and she is willing to live with him. He must not divorce her. And if a woman has a husband who's not a believer and he is willing to live with her, she must not divorce him. For the unbelieving husband has been sanctified through his wife. It's set apart. And the unbelieving wife has been sanctified or set apart through her believing husband. Otherwise, your children would be unclean, but as it is, they are holy. People have different understandings of this. Sometimes people say that um, there's different interpretations, and I'm not sure which is absolutely true. Some people talk about it as being like your kids are saved and covered spiritually. Other people look at it as your kids are saved as far as because there's somebody to teach them about God in the house. You know, that makes a little bit more sense to me. But uh, in verse 15, it says, but if the unbeliever leaves, let him do so. A a believing man or woman is not bound in such circumstances. God has called us to live in peace. If somebody leaves you, not that you, you know, scare them off, but, you know, um, you can't do anything about that. It says, God has called us to live in peace. How do you know, wife, whether you will save your husband? Or how do you know, husband, whether you will save your wife? God's heart is that you live with the love of Christ towards that person. Who knows if they might come around? You know, God says specifically, there's different, I'm telling you, we're only handling this section of scripture. There's sections, you know, throughout the Bible, many sections on marriage, where it talks about if you get married, that you marry somebody, it says, don't be unequally yoked with unbelievers, meaning it will affect you. If you are a believer who loves God and you marry somebody who's not, it will, it, it'll be hard. You know, you can do it, but it's going to be a challenge to have it be that you're accountable to God, you're fighting for the relationship because of your faith, and that other person could care less. It's just going to be hard, you know? Um, so, again, looking at the, the things as far as what God instructs, all of this. Now, this, like I say, it's just a little section, and the rest of it kind of goes, a lot of this is kind of similar as far as the rest, all the way through the end of um, chapter 7. There's more similar kinds of things in here. Um, <clears throat> but the thing is, is God's heart in all of this is love. You know, God wants us to be blessed and happy and fulfilled. And I'm telling you, I, I wouldn't trade being married to a man that loves God for anything in the world. And it doesn't mean that it's like smooth sailing piece of cake all the time. But I, I'm t- it's amazing. I really believe that it's, you know, 99% of the time, it's unbelievably fabulous. And I, you know, like once in a while, we might feel like it's not exactly fabulous, but, <laughs> but honestly, most of the days, I wake up going, wow, I'm excited. I feel blessed. I love my husband. I love being with him. He's fun. He's funny. He's sweet. He loves God. He's deep. We talk. He's mushy. I mean, I'm just like, wow. How, 
it feels great to be married 10 years and be so in love and have so much fun. And it's available. It's available to have, yeah? Oh, incredibly sexy. <laughs> Sorry, honey. <laughs> sexy lips. Sexy everything. Um, <laughs> I'll end there, but <laughs> TMI. Um, you know, it really is available. See, I, I'm excited about that because I am, of all people I know, look like the most hopeless person to have that outcome for my life. I Talk about the setup for the opposite to happen. Uh, as far as the destructive things in my life, repeatedly, you know, so it's God, people. I'm, t I just, I'm excited about this. I want everybody to have it. You know, I want everybody to be super blessed, single or super blessed, married, to have a life that's full and rich and rejoicing. It's silly to be single and have it all be like you're going to be happy when you get married. You know, that's not the will of God either. God's will in all, for all of us, it's available to have a life that's deep, full, full, fulfilling, and all of that all the time. Amen and hallelujah. Praise God. So let me, Mike. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, okay, so Susan, you got some announcements and want to bless the offering? Or, uh, or I guess I can bless the offering and you're going to do a couple of announcements before we close. Heavenly Father, um, actually, you know what? I just love, um, I love how you provide, that there's no place in our lives that we can't come to you, that your heart's not open to us. I love that you love us, whether we choose your ways or not your ways, that you are full of grace and full of love, and you're for each and every one of us, but that our lives just work better the more of our lives that we can give over to you. And sometimes it's a learning process. Sometimes it takes time to get there. Um, but that's okay. You're like a patient God, and... and um, and are willing to be in our lives in whatever places that we invite you to be. I pray right now for this offering. I feel really blessed and thankful that this is a way that we can really be free in, our, in finances. That, you know, that money doesn't have a hold on us. That doesn't run us. That doesn't determine our happiness, our peace, our joy. But that can, we can have a real freedom in giving and honoring you as a way of just showing our thanks for the fact that you are our provision and... Um, and that's a way of showing that we trust you, God. So I just lift this offering and blessing uh, all of the people that give in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen.